Welcome to Nope, Never Saw It. I'm Gina, a movie lover. And I'm Sonia, a movie not lover. My mission is to make Sonia watch all the movies she's never seen. And my mission is to watch more movies and not always have to say, Nope, Never Saw It. So we started this podcast. We hope you enjoy it. So Gina? Yes, Sonia? I'm ready. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Nope, Never Saw It. I'm Gina, and with me always is the beautiful Sonia. Hi. Hi. Sonia, I have to tell everybody that you had a you had a Bruce Springsteen as your background when you came on the Zoom, and I was so delighted. And then you took him down. <laughs> I know. He was he was a leftover remnant from the last Zoom I was on. And I forgot he was there. He scared me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> he scared me too, but in a good way. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> so how are you doing? Good. How about you? I'm good. I'm really good. I I already took a sip of this cocktail. Maybe I took a few sips because mm. um as you know my internet was acting up and I I didn't know if things were going to happen tonight so I was like let me just calm the f down. So nice. And I just took my first sip. It's, it's delightful. It is delightful. That's exactly the word I was going to use. Mhm. We are going to be talking about Gremlins today. This episode is airing the beginning of December. So I thought it would be fitting to get into the holiday spirit with a holiday movie. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh, this is going to be a fun conversation today. Before we get into the holiday spirit, let's start with our friend share. Sonia, you're going to love, (laughs) you're going to love my friend share. Okay. So you know that I love to journal. Yes. And I have a lot of journals that people have gifted me. Okay. Especially my, my students, if I write them a letter of recommendation, a lot of them will give me a journal, which is wonderful. So I just have this stack of unused journals. And once I finish one, then I pick, I grab the next one. And I finally finished using a journal. I used all the pages in a journal that I started using, I think a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, cause I journal a lot at school really, you know, when I need a little mental break, I don't really mm-hmm. journal at home as much. So I finished with this one journal and I grabbed another one and I opened it up and there was an inscription on the inside. And Sonia, it was the journal that you gave me. I was going to, that's where I thought this story was going to go. <laughs> yeah. That's the journal that you gave me on my 34th birthday. Oh my God. It was yeah. that long ago. It that was sounds, that I'm long sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. It was that long ago. <laughs> and you just wrote the nicest message. And I remember, I think that was around the time I was going through my divorce and you just, oh, it was just so sweet to like see your handwriting and read your really kind words. And it just made me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Oh, I'm so happy. So thank you once again for the journal. I'm sure I thanked you nine years ago. (laughs) That's approximately (laughs) when, when you gave it to me, but I'm thanking you again. And I've already started writing in it. And you're so welcome. Well, yeah. feel free to like write me a poem or something. <gasps> I will. Yes. I'm a really bad poet, but I'll go for it. That's okay. I bet yeah. you're a better poet than you're giving yourself credit for. 
I like poets that have a very specific structure like triolets or villanelles or haikus, you know, because it's Mm -hmm. easy for me to kind of fill in the blanks, but Mm -hmm. freeform poems, I struggle with sometimes, but you know what, for you, I will, I will do it. And if I write one that I like, I will read it to you in one of our episodes. How's that? I love it. Perhaps you should use the book that they used in the Dead Poet Society to help you write your poem. To inspire me. And then I can use the Pritchett scale. That's it. Yeah, that's what it was. I couldn't remember. (laughs) To rank the readability Mm -hmm. of my poem. Mm -hmm. Oh, your glass is so fancy. I feel like we've talked about the drink and then haven't said what it is yet. So I like the suspense that we're building here. We are building a lot of suspense. Well, mm-hmm. let's continue to build the suspense because I want to hear your friend share. <laughs> no, you don't because it's so dumb. I'm because ready. I couldn't think of anything good because it's just been like crazy and busy and I haven't really done anything that cool. In the course of this podcast, Sean and I have done a Friends rewatch, and then we started a Seinfeld rewatch, mm-hmm. and we are now in the last season of Seinfeld. Oh. So I'm feeling a little sad because I've never watched the series from the beginning to the end, and I feel like now I get it. Like, I've always thought Seinfeld was funny when I would watch episodes, but I, again, I'd never watched it from beginning to end, so I missed a lot of the inside jokes that kind of come up throughout the episodes and carry through throughout the seasons. Um, but I'm really glad that we did it. I was kind of resistant. We tried to do it a few years ago and I was like, not into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it went really well this time and we're getting towards the end. And that's my friend share. <laughs> I think that's a great friend share. I'm inspired because I've been running into randomly Seinfeld episodes on TV. And I've never, same thing. I've never watched the whole series from beginning to end. And I know it's streaming on a couple of platforms. It's on. Yeah, it was on, we started watching it on Hulu and then they took it off Hulu and there was like a month break before Mm -hmm. it was on Netflix. Okay. Luckily we owned some of the DVDs and then we ended up buying one of the seasons because we were just like in, in it. Um, But one thing I will say, so Seinfeld and friends were on a lot like they had a lot of overlapping years and they also have like a lot of overlapping jokes and storylines it's really interesting I actually would love for you to watch it because you'll pick up on things too well now I will because as you know last night I finished my I don't know 20th rewatch of friends (laughs) yep yep so so I need to I you know, I, I'm going through a little bit of a mourning phase right now. Um, but I Seinfeld I'm, will help you with that, with that. Okay. Because I felt the same way after we finished friends. I was like, now what am I supposed to do? Yeah. All right. I'm going to do it. I'm going to yes. dive into Seinfeld. Okay. All right. Cool. And now yeah. I feel like my friend share was, was a good one. It was a good friend share. Okay. Don't underestimate yourself. Sonia It was a wonderful Thank friend you. share. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to take another sip of this delightful drink while you tell us what this delightful drink is. So yours is way darker than mine, but I think, I think I pulled a Gina this time and I like did all the wrong things. Uh So our, (laughs) our drink is a poinsettia, which is a holiday drink. And it is two tablespoons of Contro, four tablespoons of a hundred percent cranberry juice, which if you're not sure what that is, that means it's unsweetened. And then a half a glass of champagne, but really you're just sort of topping off your glass. Um, so 
mine, um, I did not have a hundred percent cranberry juice unsweetened. I just had the regular cranberry juice, which they like specifically say in the recipe, don't use it, uh-huh. but I have so much. So I use that. And then I also use Prosecco instead of champagne. I also use Prosecco. I am unclear as to whether or not the cranberry juice I used is 100% unsweetened because everything I found in the grocery store was like cran raspberry, cran mm-hmm. apple. And it was hard enough just to find plain cranberry juice. Yeah. And, and the juice that I bought, I had to go, I went into like the organic foods mm-hmm. aisle because I figured I'd have a better chance. So I'm not sure. I think what I bought, cause some of them said hundred percent cranberry juice, not from concentrate or not from concentrate. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. And I should know what that means, but I don't. So I don't either. So it's unclear. <laughs> Unclear. Tell us, please. I know, but I did. I did because I have the contro now. So, Sonia, by the way, three drinks in a row with the contro. I'm I'm digging this. Oh, I didn't even mean to do that. It's just, it just happens. But you know what? Every time I open that bottle, I just feel so good inside. Oh, good. Okay. (laughs) Noted. It smells so delicious. It does smell delicious. It really does. Um, I also use prosecco, but prosecco is. The same thing that champagne is just, it's called that because of the region it's from. So I think it's okay. I think we're fine. I was going to, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I did tell Sean as after I made the drink, I was like, this is like a small drink. I'm probably going to text you mid episode to come refill my glass. (laughs) (laughs) So it's probably going to happen. Please do. Cheers. Also, I really need a drink tonight. So just stress, nothing too bad. This drink will wash all of our stresses away. Mm-hmm. Word. Along with our discussion of this wonderful holiday film, Gremlins. I'm going to laugh we... every time you <laughs> You really are. <laughs> Shall we get into it? Yes. Let's do it. Here we go. Gremlins was released in 1984, directed by Joe Dante, written by Chris Columbus, starring Zach Galligan as Billy. Phoebe Cates as Kate, Hoyt Axton as Randall Peltzer, Francis Francis Lee McCain as Lynn Peltzer, and Howie Mandel, who voiced the character Gizmo. Sonia, in the tradition of Nope, Never Saw It, I have made a list of films that are connected to each of the names I have just read to you. When I give you the name of the film, if you've seen it, you'll say, of course, Gina, I've seen it. And if you haven't, what do you say? Nope, never saw it. All right, are you ready? Nope. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, I'm ready. Wait a second. Okay. <laughs> so Joe Dante, uh, who is the director of Gremlins, also directed Twilight Zone, the movie. Nope, never saw it. Okay. I mean, he didn't direct the whole movie, but he directed one of the segments from the movie. All right. And Chris Columbus, who is credited for writing gremlins is also credited for writing the film only the lonely i have never even heard of that (laughs) you know i've heard of it it's a john candy movie i don't remember if i've ever seen it so for me it's a nope never saw it okay i feel if you don't remember it doesn't count yeah all right um zach galligan who starred as billy 
I didn't recognize, I'm going to be honest, I didn't recognize outside of Gremlins and Gremlins 2, I didn't recognize anything else he'd been in. But these two films are films that he is most known for, aside from Gremlins, and those films are Surviving. Nope, never saw or heard of it. And Waxwork. Same. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, same here. All right, Phoebe Cates, who plays the role Kate. I believe we already have brought up the film Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which mm-hmm. you said you have not seen. Yep. Okay. She was also in the following two films, Bright Lights, Big City. Nope. Never saw it. And Shag. Nope. Never saw it. I love Shag. <laughs> it is such a silly movie. Oh, we're going to have to watch that one. That's a good movie. I, I'm, I wonder if it holds up. Okay. Sorry. Focus, Gina. <laughs> All right. Now, Hoyt Axton, who played Randall Peltzer, Billy's father, actually um, is was originally a folk singer. And he's more known for his music career than he is for his acting career. So instead of giving you titles of films that he has been in, I'm going to give you titles of films who have used his music as part of their soundtrack. Ooh, I like this game. Right. Okay. So, and then wait. Sorry, I'm saying I don't. I'm still saying if I that I have not or had that I have or have not seen the film. Right. Correct. Okay. All right. <laughs> so his song "Greenback Dollar" was in the film. Thank you for smoking. I have seen that. And is that song the theme song of that show, Suits? No, that's the Greenback Boogie. Anyway, I honestly don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone, anyone, (laughs) anyone, anyone. Hello. And then, and then his song, The Pusher is part of the soundtrack for the film Tropic Thunder. Nope. Never saw it. Oh my goodness. Oh, Sonia, we have to watch Tropic Thunder. I heard that movie was terrible, but I feel like you told me you loved it. I kind of loved it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Frances Lee McCain, who played Lynn Peltzer was also in the following two films. She was and in addition to Stand By Me. Oh, she's uh, she's Gordy's mom. Um, she is also in Back to the Future. I have seen that. Okay, thank God. And she is also in Footloose. Nope, never saw it. Oh, Sonia, I am very excited to add some of these movies to the list. Okay, Howie Mandel, who voiced the character Gizmo, was in the following two films again. I don't remember. I, I've heard of these films. I don't remember if I've seen them before. If I did, it was a really long time ago and I was super little and I don't remember, but he is in the following two films, The Funny Farm. Nope. Never saw it or heard of it. And Walk Like a Man. Nope. Never saw it or heard of it. Okay. Okay. I think, should we change our podcast? I was just thinking that (laughs) because I think that there's probably a lot of films that would fall under both of those categories and also separate categories. So that would ensure that this goes on for eternity. I mean, this podcast is already going to go on for eternity. That's true. We have established that. (laughs) We have, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And in our continued efforts to prove that the television show Friends is the center of all things. Sonia, I have a few Friends connections. I have one. Ooh, what's yours? Mine is, and I have to admit, I didn't 
know, I didn't, I probably saw this person, but I didn't know it was this person. And then I was looking at the cast list and I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure that that guy was on Friends. Mm -hmm. So Nikki Cat is credited as school child. Okay. And I'm pretty sure that he is one of, do you remember the episode where Chandler and Joey go to the coffee house and there's people sitting on the couch and then they like bully them and then they can't go back and I remember that there's one scene where they're trying to make their own cappuccino and they're like this is terrible and they're like they're like always be stirring it just always be stirring it I'm pretty sure Nikki Cat was one of the bullies okay I'm sure we'll have to confirm that but if if that's true that's a really good connection thank you I like it all right I'm gonna research it to confirm while you talk Okay. Okay. So let me, I have three, two of them are kind of stretches, but then one of them is, is like a solid friends connection. So Hoyt Axton, as I'd mentioned before, is most known for his music career. Um, he wrote the song joy to the world, you know, Jeremiah was a bullfrog, which was featured in the episode, the one where Monica sings. So he is credited for the soundtrack for that episode. I like that one. All right. That's a good one. Um, Corey Feldman was in an episode of Married with Children. He played Ralph and Matt LeBlanc used to appear on Married with Children as Kelly's boyfriend, Vinny. Mm-hmm. And then my last one is Francis Lena Kane, who plays Lynn Peltzer, Billy's mom, was in the movie Scream, which also stored, stored, yeah, starred Courtney Cox. Who was she in Scream? I don't know. That's okay. <laughs> But apparently she, I don't remember her in the movie screen, but she is in the movie apparently. So, so there you go. Um, I have confirmation that uh-huh. Nikki Cat played Arthur in the one with the bullies. Wow. I don't even know which kid you're talking about in the movie. I don't know. I didn't see him. I mean, he must've been like real little because this guy is some age he was born in 1970 so he would in the movie he would have been only 14 mm-hmm. so yeah I'm impressed yeah I mean I was like that's <laughs> gotta be him right yeah right okay well Sonia yes next is your original plot summary oh god <laughs> I feel like this one is particularly silly. This is ridiculous. So in our last (laughs) episode, when I told you we were going to watch the movie Gremlins, I asked you what you thought the movie was about. Are you ready to hear your original plot summary read back to you word for word? Is anyone ready for this? (laughs) (laughs) Buckle your seatbelts, everyone. Here we go. Sonia's original plot summary for the movie Gremlins. Gremlins can't get wet or they get mad and they're, um, I think if they get mad, they turn green. They start as like cute things that kind of look like, God, what are those things called? Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Those toys that used to be really, this is going to be a great recap. Um, okay. There were these toys that you could, you could buy and everybody had them and you could like program them to do stuff. I want to say a Furby is a Furby a thing. You're not responding. Okay. So they're like Furbies. Basically, if you get them wet, they turn into green aliens and you're not supposed to feed them after midnight. Yeah. Oh my God. What a mess am I? <laughs> I did get things right though. And it was a, as, as you were reading that I was like Furbies. Those are definitely Furbies. Duh. Furbies. Everybody knows what a Furby is. So 
have you made some revisions to that original plot summary? Um, just a couple. Okay. Just, just a couple. All right, <clears throat> here we go. Billy Peltzer is your average all-American guy. His dog is his best friend, and he's just trying to make an honest living at his bank job while trying to earn enough to, fi- to fix his car and impress his cute coworker. But then dad brings home Gizmo, a new pet for Billy, who is, let's say, particularly high maintenance. He can't be in bright light, he can't get wet, and most important of all, he cannot be fed after midnight. One by one, each of these rules is broken and all hell breaks loose. Suddenly, the sleepy town of Kingston Falls is overrun by a band of tiny monsters who just want to drink beer and destroy everything and everyone in their path. Can Billy and Gizmo find a way to stop them before it's too late? Yes, they can. (laughs) Obviously, because then there was Gremlins 2, 3, and 4. Right. Wait, there's a third and a fourth one? Oh, I don't know. I thought there was. (laughs) I did see when I was doing research that apparently there is like, there has been talk of a Gremlins 3. I can't remember if they made an announcement for Gremlins 3 or that was a Goonies 2, I'm, I'm getting all of my 80s movies confused right yeah, now. Yeah, and maybe I was mixing up like Indiana Jones. Which so <laughs> well, it's interesting that you say that because there are actually, there's an Indiana Jones Easter egg and there are a bunch of, there are a couple of Spielberg Easter eggs that I noticed this time around. Wow. So like before I'm, I know we're skipping around here. Usually we start with my first impression, but I noticed, and I think it's so cool because we just watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. So I must've just had that kind of sitting in the back of my brain, but when the film starts and we see the Ricky Rialto billboard, it's, and it's, Indiana Jones. He's dressed like Indiana Jones. The font is the same. And apparently Gremlins came out the same year as the sequel, uh, Temple of Doom. So Mm. that was pretty cool. Um, And then also when they're in the department store at the end of the movie, there's an E.T. doll that uh, Stripe is hiding, hiding behind. And then I also read this one, I, this one I didn't pick up on, but I read this in some of my research that when we first see the marquee for the movie theater in the town, the titles that were on display were actually the working titles for E.T. and Close Encounters of the Third Time, which were oh, two Spielberg so movies. Yeah. And I also think everyone used to say this, but I, and I don't know if this is true. I didn't confirm this on the Internet, but as we know, the Internet lies that scene where Randall is calling his family from the invention convention. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fun to say. Yeah, invention, invention convention. convention. There is a guy that rides past him on this little do buggy thing. And that everyone always said that that was Steven Spielberg that was driving the little I think vehicle. I read that too, but so, the internet lies. So yeah, it does lie. Can't trust it. So anyway, well, maybe, so. I mean, Steven Spielberg is clearly listening. So maybe he can tell us. Right. He's big fans of ours. Yeah, of course. But getting back to first impression. So the, the first time that I saw this movie, Sonia, I did see this movie in the movie theaters. Um, so 1984, I was six years old and it was really, I remember it being really fun, like scary, but fun because the movie, let's be real, is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I think it was meant to be ridiculous based on what I've read. And I don't think they took themselves too seriously. And, uh, and I, I think I even read, was it, was it Roger Ebert that 
that said the movie was like this combination of um, it's a wonderful life and the blob and it's, but like not in a good way. Those are both movies. I nope, never saw. <laughs> you haven't seen it's a wonderful life. Mm-mm. Okay. Um. <laughs> I think I would hate that movie. Why? Cause I like kind of know what, what happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike this movie where I had no idea what happened. No idea what happened. Yeah. I I have to say, I I went into this movie assuming that I wasn't going to enjoy it. Like, oh, I have to watch this because we're going to talk about it in the podcast and, you know, I'll just get through it. But I have to say, I quite enjoyed myself. I I enjoyed watching this movie again. Sonia, what are your first impressions? I it's so weird I'm like I I was thinking about how to describe what I thought about this movie and I think I was just like I was a little confused about what genre it was which is kind of what you were just saying um I forget which critic you just said oh I think it was Roger Ebert yeah Roger Ebert said so basically I'm a movie expert now totally Um, but I thought it was like I thought it was okay. Like it wasn't the worst film I've ever seen. It's not my favorite movie. Um, And I, I liked, I feel like I, I like went through almost every emotion during the movie and maybe emotion is not the right word, but I was like, I laughed. I didn't cry, (laughs) but I laughed. I was like grossed out. I was not scared, but I felt suspense um and then I also almost fell asleep at one point (laughs) to be fair so also Sean refused to watch this movie he was like no you're watching this one by yourself which I don't know I don't know why he was so averse to it I don't know I feel like I feel like in the same way that I was confusing Goonies and Gremlins I feel like he has that connection in his head and he hated the Goonies so Mm -hmm. so much so I feel like he just refused and I even tried to make him watch the trailer and I was like look it doesn't seem that bad he's like no you're watching this by yourself so then I watched it in my bed Mm -hmm. so then also I was like laying down okay (laughs) on a Sunday afternoon (laughs) but I mean I did stay awake I I pulled it together Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you're bringing up the Goonies because I remember as I was Mm -hmm. watching it this time around thinking to myself, I like this better than the Goonies Mm -hmm. because I remember, and we talked about this in our discussion of the Goonies that there, I think you had mentioned that there's a lot of yelling (laughs) and, and I think I had mentioned that there's a lot of people talking over each other all the time. Mm -hmm. There's something very frenzied and chaotic and almost disorganized about it yeah and I feel like gremlins is a lot more structured in my opinion I think that the story unfolds in a reasonable way I like the pacing of it I actually didn't at any point get bored Um, I know we talked about Indiana Jones last week and, and some of the action sequences I, I sort of checked out. They just felt really long and tedious to me, but I didn't feel that with this movie. And I wonder if part of that is, I I think that 
I, I personally think that this movie is really geared towards a much younger audience, even though it has these terrifying elements to it. I remember, I remember being a little scared when I saw, you know, I was six years old watching it in the movie theater, but not so scared that I couldn't sleep that night, you know, and worried that there were gremlins hiding in my closet or under my bed. I, I knew that the thought of that was completely ridiculous, but because, because there's something over the, so over the top about the movie that it didn't affect me in that way. And I wonder if maybe that lent to the pacing a little bit more. I don't know, but I, but I just didn't, I, I wasn't, I wasn't bored by it. I, I was actually really entertained. Yeah, it was definitely entertaining. And I was glad that it was an hour and 46 minutes. That's like my jam. Mm-hmm. Did, did you, you feel like it up? In- oh, no, I, <laughs> I was going to say it did feel like a long hour and 46 minutes, but I did not split it up. Okay. I did watch the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> but you know me so well. Right. I, I do. I, I definitely, um, there were, there were a lot of moments though. And again, I mean, like I said, the, the whole premise of the film is really absurd and, and the execution of the story is kind of absurd, but I think that it's, I think it's done purposefully like that. And based on what I've read, uh, I, I just think that, um, they, you know, they knew they were, it feels like they were kind of having fun with it. They knew not to take the story too seriously because you really just can't um but there were still some things where I was like well wait a second come on (laughs) it's such a it's just such a weird movie yeah (laughs) and what happens in gremlins 2 it's been a while since I've seen it but as I remember gremlins 2 Billy and Kate are together and they're working for this huge conglomerate. And I forget exactly what Kate does, but Billy has an office job there. And I know he wants to be an architect. I don't remember how Gizmo and the, and the gremlins are brought back into the equation, but it's essentially similar to the first film where the gremlins get out of control and wreak havoc on the town. But instead of wreaking havoc on the town, they wreak havoc on this mass corporation inside this huge building and uh they go really overboard with the different types of gremlins interesting that almost makes me want to watch it i mean i would watch it again (laughs) okay maybe maybe we'll do like a bonus episode and do like a sequel okay i need need a break Maybe we'll open watch to it, it together. That would be lovely. Right. Because I feel like if Sean's not going to watch the first one, he's not going to watch the second one. Oh, hell no. Right? Yeah. Well, let's do that. We'll watch okay. it together. Okay. It's a date. I'll pick a drink ahead of time somehow. Okay. So we can have it during the movie. Fantastic. I like okay. this plan. Me too. Well, we should get takeout too. <gasps> yes. <gasps> okay. Oh, I'm okay. so excited. Okay. Me too. Okay. All right. One of the first questions that I had as I was watching it. So we meet, uh, we meet Randall Peltzer. He's in Chinatown. He finds his way to this. I think he refers to it as a junk shop and tries to peddle his inventions. So he's talking about the bathroom buddy, which is like a Swiss army knife of bathroom supplies, which I feel like in theory is not a terrible idea. But you're just rolling your eyes. I don't know. But, but like, okay, 
when I was watching, I was like, and I get it. I think the whole point of his inventions is that they're super impractical, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny, but like he pulls out the toothbrush and I'm like, wait, so you got to hold this chunky thing while you, while you brush your teeth. I was thinking the same thing. That yeah. seems, that seems terrible. Yeah. I thought that the inventions and this was something that I hadn't noticed a little bit more this time, you know, cause they're, they're more of a gag, but it was interesting how he has all of these inventions and they're all over the house and, and I, the family, they feel compelled to use them. It's kind of like, well, we should, because dad made this mm-hmm. and none of them work. Like remember when he goes to make the orange juice and it's just like, um, I mean, they're all a mess Yeah, all, and the egg cracking, it's all a mess. Well, and it's so interesting because all of these inventions, they, I feel like they make things, even if they worked, it seems to make such a simple task that much more complicated. Like it's not that hard to break an egg. No, it really isn't. You know, and just like get a carton of juice. Yeah. Or when the phone rings and the mom uses the remote control thing to answer it and then it doesn't work, then she just reaches over and answers Mm -hmm. it, you know, just, just pick up the regular phone. Yeah. I guess that was before cordless phones, but, or, I mean, definitely before cell phones, because now your phone is just with you at all. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely before, at least before cell phones became so ubiquitous. I don't know when the first cell phone came to be honestly well like late if you 80s recall zach morris had a cell phone okay so when was that <laughs> early 90s late 80s mm-hmm. that's exactly what you <laughs> right yeah <laughs> um well i wanted to talk so as i said i watched i never watched the trailer to the movie before watching the movie because i feel like that gives stuff away but i watched mm. it because i really didn't think it was going to be that bad and i wanted sean to watch it with me because he's watched everything else so far and in the trailer, I assumed Billy was a teenager. Mm-hmm. So then when the movie starts and he's like, you know, getting in his car, which is fine. But then he like goes to this job and has a nameplate. And I guess you could be a teenager and a bank teller. But I was so confused about how old he was. But then he was in a bar and I was like, oh, I guess he's a young adult. Yeah, I was not expecting that. It's almost like he is a misplaced millennial. Yeah. You know, like he, because, and it's so true. And I was thinking about that too. I mean, he looks super young Mm -hmm. and, and as I was watching it, Sonia, again, it was one of these instances where I thought I want that backstory because I really started to think about where he was in his life because there is that time that scene where he is in the bar. And then I forget the name of the character, but he's played by Judge uh, Reinhold. Yep. And he's what the junior vice president of the bank. And how old is he? 22 or 20, yeah, 23. Like- <laughs> and by 30, he's going to be a millionaire. Okay, calm down. But, you know, so it's like, okay, so this guy obviously went to a four-year college, you know, got this job right out of school and is, you know, looking to advance into managerial positions and all that. Fine. And Billy is working as a bank teller and he still lives at home and he's living in his parents' attic. And I really wanted to know what was going on there. Did he go to school? Did he not go to school? I thought Billy's character was interesting in mainly because he's kind of weak. 
Mm-hmm. I personally thought this time around when I was little, I was like, Oh, he's so cute. I hope he ends up with Kate, but you know, he doesn't really, he doesn't stand up to Mrs. Deagle ever. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really stand up to the, the work colleague. I again, can't remember his name. Um, and even in the end, he's not really the hero. Yeah. Which I thought was an interesting choice. They wanted Gizmo to be the hero. Mm-hmm. And I also, and I also read, and you might've read that originally Gizmo was supposed to turn into Stripe, but they wanted to keep Gizmo as this sort of innocent mogwai that could be a part of the, the protagonists in the story. So they didn't, they didn't want, didn't want Gizmo to turn into this evil character. Yeah. Which I'm glad they did. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I, I don't know what your thoughts are. What are your thoughts on Billy? Um, I sort of assumed that he stayed home to help his mom because his dad is such a shit show. <laughs> I mean, as you said, like the family feels compelled to have these inventions because like dad's out on the road again trying to sell them and like really is not giving up on that dream. So I feel like Billy probably was like, okay, I'm going to um, stay home and help mom actually like be able to keep us in this house but I agree he's definitely not the hero of the story he's like the sidekick so I won't say he has no role in in saving the town but he's not the main hero and I feel like he's also just sort of like you know he's that quiet guy like I was I was actually thinking about what was the purpose of the character that Judge Reinhold played because Mm -hmm. I was like he's so worthless as I was thinking through the different categories and if he would maybe fall into one but then I realized that the whole setup of his character is to sort of show you like the softer side of Billy Mm -hmm. and I think also to show you the relationship dynamic between Billy and Kate too because that character is very aggressive with Kate and wants to be with her and she just blows him off because she clearly likes Billy So it's just interesting because I feel like his character is very much defined through other characters. Absolutely. I think, I think that's a really good way of putting it. And, and I even was surprised because I remembered Judge Reinhold's character being in the movie more, but I, or at least I thought that he had been, but he's really just in those two scenes, the one in the bank and then the one in the bar. Yeah. And we never see him again. I think it would have been interesting to bring him back, especially when you, maybe even when the gremlins are destroying everything because he's kind of a dick, you know, and it would have been nice to see him get scratched up by a gremlin in my opinion. Or, or especially to see like Billy have to save him from a gremlin. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would have been, I think that would have been a really interesting moment because I really wanted Billy to exercise some sort of agency and you know he doesn't have to be a badass Rambo I mean you know I mean he does help blow up the movie theater but other than that you know it's a lot of running around and making really bad choices yeah you know (laughs) I mean speaking of bad choices one of the things that was so crazy to me was when he so after um after the gremlins eat after midnight because they trick billy with the clock which mm-hmm. also okay <laughs> how they know to do that yeah i'm like 
I, well, also, okay, so before my thing that I'm going to say, and I hope I don't forget, the whole after midnight thing was weird to me because what what is midnight? Like, do they know what time zone they're in? Do they, can they tell time? What, what is happening? So there's, there's that. But then, okay, so then the thing that is weird to me is that, so after they eat after midnight, because somehow they know what time it is, then Billy wakes up and there's all these like gigantic, disgusting pods in his room. And he's Mm -hmm. just like, all right, well, that's gross. Yeah. I guess I'll just go about my day, leave my mom here unprotected it's probably (laughs) fine and then she's just like downstairs making christmas cookies and like she knows they're up there because he's like mom check this out it's it was like it reminded me of the poltergeist where i was like why are you not getting out of the house (laughs) like if that happened like maybe i wouldn't assume the worst but i'd be like that's pretty gross Mm mm-hmm also, this creature is something I've never seen before, and there's all these weirdo rules that I'm not supposed to do, and the, like, number one is never to feed it, and I guess I didn't know it was after midnight because it tricked me, but would you just be like, it's probably fine. <laughs> probably fine. Everything's fine. It's all good. This can't, you know- this can't <laughs> possibly go wrong. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of a really terrible story that I wrote when I was in elementary school. Okay, <laughs> but you were in elementary school. <laughs> okay, but no, but listen, so I, I, and the thing is, I thought that this was the greatest story ever written. It was, it was like a ghost story and I don't remember all the details, but this is what I remember. I remember that in one part of the story, it's about a, a husband and wife and the husband wakes up in the morning to get ready for work. And he opens up his closet and he finds his wife in the closet and she's dead. Oh no! And then he goes downstairs to make some coffee. And then he hears the garbage disposal running and he checks in there. And I forget, I forget what happens after that. But the reason why I remember this part of the story is because I shared it. I had a friend of mine read it, Dan Kudazakis. I totally remember this. I had him read the story thinking like, he's going to be so amazed by my story. And he's reading it and he goes, wait a second. So he finds his wife dead and then he goes to make himself a cup of coffee. He's not concerned about the fact that his wife is dead. He's not going to call the police or an ambulance or anything like that. And he just like pointed out this giant hole in my story. And I was like, what? I mean, he was really thirsty and needed coffee to wake up. Well, it was the morning. <laughs> and if he's an adult, he probably didn't even notice she was dead. He had his co- <laughs> like that's, that's what you would do in the story. He would go downstairs, make the coffee, have a couple sips and then be like, oh my God. <laughs> See, I, I, you know, I meant to write my story like that, mm-hmm. but what you're just saying reminds me of that. And I, I can't believe I never thought of that. You're absolutely right. He finds these grotesque pods. Oh, they're so gross. It they makes my skin crawl just thinking about so them. So gross. And then you're right. He just leaves them and his, you're and his mom is like, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna ice my gingerbread cookies and hum to right? myself. Everything is fine. I was also so concerned. So then obviously he like goes off and does whatever. And then, you know, there was one of those pods too at the school, but I didn't, so you don't know at that point that Barney has gone on the road trip with Mr. Peltzer. So when Mm -hmm. all of this, they, those things hatch and all of the chaos is going on in the house, I was like, well, that's the end of Barney. 
Yeah. And I did read there the original, like one of the original drafts of the script was what much darker. They'd kill Barney and they beheaded his mom. Oh, isn't that awful? <laughs> I'm that's so awful. glad they didn't do either of those things. Yeah, that would have been a completely different movie. I don't yeah. think that's not a movie I would have seen when I was six. No. No. Although my mom did take me to see Raiders of the Lost Ark when I was three. So who knows? Maybe. <laughs> well, I saw The Shining when I was five. Right. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. You just never know. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm glad that they didn't. I, I prefer the version where mom opens a can of whoop-ass in the kitchen. Yeah. Yep. I, I like that much better. Agreed. Yeah. Another, another thing that I was questioning, and before I get into this, I want to just put a disclaimer out there to anyone with children, if of our five listeners, if any of you have, are listening to this and your younger children are listening to this with you, you might want to listen to this part later because we'll be talking about some things about Christmas that maybe you don't want your younger children to know. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. An interesting thing about that particular scene is I want to say this was maybe about five years ago, five or six years ago when, when my son and my nephew still believed. Mm -hmm. And we, it was when we were in ocean city for the summer And for some reason we had picked gremlins because whatever house we rented, they always had, you know, a display of DVDs for us to choose from. And we thought, Oh, gremlins, that's a fun movie. So we're watching gremlins and we started to get to that scene where Kate talks about how her father died, which is so messed up. I know. Hang on. We'll, we'll get to that. So, Uh so she's, she's giving, she starts to give her speech and I realized, Oh shit this is where she reveals something that I do not want my son to know yet. Mm -hmm. And luckily my brother-in-law grabbed the remote and he just fast forwarded and he was like, this part's so boring. We're just going to skip over this. And I was like, Oh, thank God. And I asked him about it. And I, and I went to him later. I was like, well played. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, we just skipped over the, you skipped over the scene where she reveals that there's no Santa Claus. And, and he and was like, also the horrifying death of her father. I know, right? <laughs> and he just, and he goes, oh, I did. He was like, oh, I just always got bored with that speech. So I just fast, like, I don't, he, according to what he told me, he said that he didn't realize that he had oh, saved funny. the day. So, but okay. So I had some questions about this. Okay. So her father dresses up as Santa Claus climbs down the chimney with presents, slips and breaks his neck and dies. Mm-hmm. So if he's going to break, if he breaks his neck, I'm like, can you only, can't you only break your neck if on impact? Like he would have had to land on something, right? Well, I'm assuming, cause isn't like the chimney hat, like, so you've got the fireplace and then right. there's the flu. And I think there's like a small opening only. Okay. So there's probably like I assumed, and that's why he didn't just fall right into the fireplace. Okay. There's like, I think there's like a, like a smaller area there. Yeah. So he okay. would have fallen and on that. Yeah. I'm not just, I can picture it perfectly, but I can't describe No, I think, I think what you're saying makes sense because I'm watching, I forgot about that. Cause I'm like, wouldn't he have just fallen all the way to the bottom and they would have seen him, but also why would you climb down a chimney? I don't know the authenticity of it, but it feels like that's so dangerous. Yeah. And who can fit in a chimney? Yeah. But yeah, but that, yeah, that story was so dark. 
Yeah. I think that's actually the darkest part of the whole entire story. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Kate, Kate's character intrigued me this time around as well. I, I have to say, I really wish that the care, I feel like overall the characters didn't have that much depth to them. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's that kind of a movie anyway, but there were, there were things, you know, we learn these little bits and pieces about some of these characters, but we don't really get a full picture of who they are. You know, I, I, I can appreciate how the death of Kate's father has sullied her love for Christmas. Obviously that makes total sense. Mm -hmm. I think it would have been interesting to have like a little bit more like anger and resentment. Like I would have loved to have seen her completely lash out. (laughs) Like in what way? Like, like again, like against the gremlins because everything it's in like when they're in the bar, she's just serving them. Well, they have a gun. <laughs> well, but they didn't. We don't see that until later. But she's just behind the bar and she's getting them drinks and everything, and they're just throwing stuff. I mean, wouldn't she just try to get out of there? I don't know. I read that, that one of her screams is authentic because she saw a cockroach. Oh, <laughs> which would also make me scream. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Ugh, ugh, ugh. Hmm. I didn't take again. I didn't take a lot of notes on this movie, so I'm ready for categories when you are. Let's get into categories. Okay. So before we do, Sonia, can you can you explain what our categories are and give us a point recap? I can. So, Gina, our mm-hmm. categories are a very special time in the episode where we get to choose something to define such category. We have eight of them. And each time our answers match, we get a point. And at every multiple of 20 with our points, then I get to choose the movie, which is always very exciting. At this point of time, point in time, we have 36 points, which means we only need four points. And I partly think you chose this movie because some of my answers are probably very predictable to anyone who has ever met me, ever listened to an episode of this podcast, (laughs) or just could guess what I might want to say. I'm pretty confident I know what your favorite character is going to (laughs) be. Yes, as as, you are going first this time. So you're going to have to, I wait. know, I know. And as soon as I saw this character, I was like, well, I know what Sonia's going to pick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to get a lot of matches. My answers are really random. Okay. Once again, I picked as my favorite character. I picked Pete played by Corey Feldman. Oh, I, I really liked him because I felt like in some ways, he was a little more grounded than Billy, which I thought was kind of funny. Like when, when uh, he asks if he can get a gremlin and Billy's like, oh no. And then all of a sudden uh, he spills water on him and gives him <laughs> multiplies. And he's like, one, two, three, four, five. Now can I have one? And, <laughs> he was hilarious. Yeah. And then Billy is just so amazed by what's just happened. And Corey and, and Pete's already over it. He's like, no, no, no it's great. No, it's cool. I swear. Yeah, it's cool. And he just doesn't give a shit. He just wants yeah. to look at the 3D comics. <laughs> and I like when he's like using his slingshot to defend himself from the gremlins. And 
they're just like little moments. I don't know. I just, I thought his, I thought his character was very enjoyable and I, and I liked him in that role. You know, he baby was a, Corey Feldman. He was a great character. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was adorable. So that was my favorite character. Speaking about how this movie was super dark in earlier drafts, I also read that because you never really, like you see, the last time you see him is I think when he's defending himself with the slingshot. Mm-hmm. I read that, and it, this might have actually been in the novelization of the movie, which like, mm-hmm. really? This one? <laughs> of course. Um but in either in an original draft or the novelization, I read that um, you find out that the character felt so guilty about the death of the teacher that he runs away. Oh, well, that is um, really sad. So I'm glad he didn't have that ending. Yeah, but that wasn't his fault. I know. Because Billy brought the I other know. Mogwai to him. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure everybody will find this shocking. But my favorite character was Tummy Roll, please. <laughs> Barney. Of course it was Barney. <laughs> of course it was Barney. And honestly, a lot of it is for the same reasons that Ebuzz was my favorite character. He was such a good boy. Like, he just was so protective of Billy. He was always there for them when he for him when he and Mr. Peltzer get back from the road trip he can just sense that Billy's in trouble in the department store he just jumps right out of the car jumps in the window I will say in one of the opening scenes when Billy's car isn't working and Barney's in the car with him I was like okay that's interesting that he's like trying to go to work and the dog is in the car but then the car doesn't work so I was like okay maybe he was just sitting in there but then Billy goes to work anyway and Barney goes to work with him and I was like well that's not fair why can't I bring my dog to work and then I realized as I'm still working from home I do get to bring my dog to work and they are excellent co-workers I love it all right least favorite character I I I will say I felt pretty lukewarm about all of the characters in the movie even though I did enjoy it but I picked as my least favorite character, and I and I think this is the character that I dislike the most. Even when I was really little, I hated this character, Mrs. Deagle. Mm-hmm. She's just a big jerk, especially. And Sonia, you will appreciate this because she threatens to do really horrible things to Barney. Yeah, and that's super messed up. And then we find out. I don't think that you know what I think that because she likes cats so much, she just chooses to dislike dogs because she has a lot of cats. She does in her but you home. Can like both, I like both. Right. But I don't think she's capable. I think her heart is very, very tiny. Yeah. Yeah. And she's just, she's just, you know, obviously there's nothing redeeming about her. Even when she dies, I don't feel bad. Yeah. So I went with Mrs. Deagle. I, she was my run, my top, like she was my runner up and she was my top for a really long time. But then when Mm -hmm. I really sat down to think about it and you kind of touched on this already, Mm -hmm. I ended up choosing Randall Peltzer because interesting all of this is his fault because he's just like this like guy who needs to you know impose these terrible inventions on his family that are just completely inconvenient and then he has to have this this mogwai that he's not allowed to buy and then like this little kid who really shouldn't be doing this like 
makes him a deal and then instead of being an adult in the situation he's like yeah i want that thing i can't have and then he brings it home and then everything's a disaster and everything's his fault this whole movie is his fault that's a really good point thank you yeah i even though we haven't gotten any matches yet i like that our answers are so different yeah me you're, too you're making me see the movie in a different way i never would have thought about the fact that because you're absolutely right he, you know, this is everything has happened because he just had to have that Mogwai, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting that you said that because I chose for best character arc, Randall Peltzer. Interesting. Yeah. That's so really interesting. I love that we do this. Right. Right. I mean, tying into what you said again, I had a hard time. This was one of the categories that I actually really struggled with because I felt for the most part that a lot of the characters were pretty flat and there isn't, and some characters like, like you mentioned with Pete, how last time we see him is when he's fighting off gremlins and then we never see him again. We only see the Billy's colleague, Judge Reinhold's character in those two scenes early on and then never again. So I, I really felt like Randall probably had the biggest arc, if any at all, because I agree, I, you know, I think that he is really greedy in the beginning. He's so, you know, he all, he, he just wants, he wants the Mogwai just because he wants to have it because mm-hmm. it's something different. He wants to give it to his son. He's throwing out a hundred dollars, $200, But at the end, when the old man comes to take Gizmo back, you can tell that there's been a shift. You know, he's not fighting to keep Gizmo. He understands that he fucked up, basically, that he didn't appreciate the responsibility that was is attached to caring for a Mogwai. He didn't respect the power of what happens when you mishandle your responsibility and now that he's seen what can happen, he, he accepts that he's, as, as the old man says, he is not ready. Well, it's interesting that you say that too, because then you would sort of hope that that will translate to how he pushes his inventions on people, but then mm-hmm. he offers the guy the, the ashtray. Yeah, smokeless ashtray. He's like, <laughs> uh, the man at the gas station already tried to sell me this. We stopped. By the way, did you notice that when he takes it and leaves, you hear Gizmo coughing? Oh, no. Yeah. I, was like, <laughs> I love Gizmo. He's so cute. Yeah. Um, Which is a good segue to my best character arc. Okay. I chose Gizmo. Really? <laughs> okay. Let's hear why. Um. Well, I feel like Gizmo goes... <laughs> This feels like such a weird answer, but Gizmo really does go. (laughs) You can't even take yourself seriously right now. Okay. He goes through it. I can't. Okay. He goes through a transformation (laughs) from this tiny little guy who, you know, doesn't do anything. He's just a little fluff ball to being the hero of the day. Mm. Um, I think it's also significant that like the whole time that, you know, Gizmo, he like makes these little noises and then his last, you know, his last scene, he is saying 
for him, at least full sentences. So he's like really learned from his experience um, how to connect with people. Um, but mostly I wanted to give, I think like he has the hero's arc of the story because again, he's like this little shy guy when those pods first hatch, he gets like thrown down the laundry chute and then ultimately he's the one to kill Stripe. Mm -hmm. And it's also, I feel like it's also like that much more intense because technically Stripe is like his brother, I guess. I don't know what how you would define them his son his son his brother his something i don't know cousin his family member of some sort so um that is why i chose gizmo you know you're you are right he because he does and he sacrifices himself mm-hmm. he could have easily died if he'd been exposed to the sunlight yeah luckily he manages to land right in the shadow yep just and he's fine right there well, it's interesting that you chose Gizmo for best character arc because <laughs> I chose for worst or least convincing performance. I chose Gizmo. <laughs> Wait, did you choose Gizmo, the like robot anatomic thing, or did you choose um, Howie Mandel? Gizmo. Okay. <laughs> the, the reason why, as I said, I felt pretty lukewarm about all the characters i felt like the performances were okay they were good i picked gizmo because i didn't think he was as cute as i remember him (laughs) there was something there were a few moments where he seemed kind of smug and i wasn't okay with it (laughs) it just didn't translate well for me yeah. As opposed to being like this kind of like, oh, you're adorable. There were a few moments in the beginning where I was like, no, he's got a little bit of an attitude. He's hiding it, but it's there. So yeah. I was not as charmed by Gizmo this time around as I have been in the past. Ergo, I feel like there must have been something lacking in his performance. Sure. Or the puppeteering, however you want it, or maybe just the construction of of his face I'm not quite sure what it was but I wasn't feeling it from gizmo this time around okay I think that's, that's my fair. answer that is very fair thank <clears throat> you I chose Jonathan Banks who is the actor who portrayed deputy Brent mm-hmm. um and I feel like it's not really fair because to your point like none of the characters are really well developed yeah so I guess I, I mostly chose him because Jonathan Banks, I know, can do an incredible acting job. He was Mike Ehrman Trout in Breaking Bad. So then to see him play this role, I was like, what are you doing? Oh, my God. Yep. <laughs> I just saw the moment of like realization come across your face. Yeah. Holy crap. I did not make that connection at mm-hmm. all. It's him. Oh man, now I need to rewatch his scenes. Yep. Okay. I like him in the scene though, where they're in the car and the Gre- they see the gremlins attacking everybody. And he's like, maybe we can go back to the station now. I'd really like to go back now. I just yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and again, I just I just know what he can do. Mm-hmm. So when watching this, I was like, hmm. Okay. You know, you could have felt that more. Yeah. All right. 
Fair. I could have seen more terror in your eyes. Yeah. Terror in your eyes. That sounds like a country song. Or a Gremlins sequel. Oh. Gremlins 3, Terror Terror in Your your eyes. Eyes. I love it. Yeah. I love it. All right, Spielberg. We know you're listening. So yeah, time. You've been waiting for the right idea and the right title. It's here. It's right here. We're just handing it to you. We don't even want any credit. Just ten percent of you know what you make. Okay. Best performance. I picked Dick Miller, who played Mr. Futterman, because I always appreciate a good drunk scene. Wait, which character? Okay. I was like, what character is that? <laughs> he's the guy that's the vet. And, you know, I, I think I'm assuming he's a, yeah, he's a veteran, right? Cause he's always talking yeah, yeah. about World yeah. War II and gremlins and everything. And I like, I really liked his character when he's at the bar and, and Kate is like, maybe I don't think you should drive. And he's mm-hmm. like, you know what? I think I'm going to walk. I just felt like he nailed it. And, uh, and I was very impressed by his performance. Yeah, I thought he was good in his death scene mm-hmm. was good. I felt, I actually like felt the like anxiety as it was happening mm-hmm. because I think he like reacted exactly the way that like he like goes outside, doesn't expect it to be a gremlin clearly. Right. And then just like panics and then does the thing that you shouldn't do, which is run into the house. But that's what probably eight out of 10 people would do because you're just like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I really like how we have this character who's talking about gremlins who hates anything that's been made by any country other than the United States, you know, foreign cars, foreign, this foreign, that it's nothing ever works when you get something that's made in another country. And he talks about gremlins and uh, because apparently, because gremlins actually the, the literal definition is I looked this up. It's an imaginary mischievous sprite regarded as responsible for an unexplained problem or fault, especially a mechanical or electrical one. So this is something that's already a part of his vernacular. And then, and I, and now that I think about it, does anybody else in the film call them gremlins? I don't think they do, right? Um, They just refer to them as monsters. I think he's the only one that uses that term not sure i don't remember yeah so so they become this act this manifestation of of this thing that he absolutely hates that in his mind he's convinced is real and then it is real and then it ends up you know leading to his death which i think is really interesting and now that i think about it i wonder i mean could you argue that this film is a commentary on modern technology because you have you know, you have these gremlins, but then you also have the father that's making these terrible inventions that, you know, are meant to simplify life. But what they really do is make things even more complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have Mr. Fetterman, who's who has an agenda against anything that's foreign made. And even though it might be a decent product, you know, he thinks that it's, you know, I don't even know what I'm saying right now. But. No, no. But, and then it's, it's sort of like meta because then the actual like gremlin puppets were so hard for them to work with because they were like, I read that they just like have like limited time with them or they were like hard to manipulate. So mm-hmm. it's like, that's really, in, I, I kind of like that. It's interesting. Right. Yeah. Oh, and I also read that they they had major security 
And at the end of a shooting day, they searched everybody's car before they left to make sure nobody stole any of the puppets and they were guarding them (laughs) 24-7. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We digress. Sonia, best performance. Now hear me out. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Did you pick Barney? (laughs) I did. His his real name is Mushroom. But I didn't just pick him because he was clearly the cutest cast member mm-hmm. um I picked him because honestly like, it sounds so stupid but it's so true his performance as a dog was very convincing <laughs> I know I know but interesting as someone who has a dog and like knows a dog's behavior and knows a dog's facial expressions like so many like he really played a dog who loved his human so much very very well Mm-hmm. And I recognize a lot of the behaviors in Barney that I see in my darling Jacob every single day. Aww. And like, even just things, there's one scene where they're all going to bed. So it's uh, Billy's in the bed, then Mush- uh, Barney, played by Mushroom, mm-hmm. is in the middle. And then Gizmo's like in a little shoebox or something. Yeah. But like, even just the way that Barney goes to sleep, he's like sitting up and then he like... Billy puts his arm around him and then he like rolls back into him like Mm -hmm. that is what happens every time Jacob is in my bed and we're going to sleep like it's just it was just the same and they're so cute I did not like his beard Mm -hmm. so much if I were his mom I would have cut his beard okay um but I think that was probably just a styling choice so I will not blame him for that but he did a really good job as a as a doggy he did. I, and I will say when, when Gizmo is introduced to Billy, you can tell how jealous Barney is. Yes. His yeah. face is literally, and like his, his ears, he was such a good actor. Oh, no, you lost me at, I, this really got to me this time. I know we talked a little bit about the rules, you know, don't feed him after midnight, all this stuff. And you had some questions about that, which I thought were really poignant and they're actually brought up in the sequel, which means that we definitely have to watch it together. Okay. But my, you lost me at this time around was this, how did all of the gremlins find clothes that fit them? I was thinking about that too. Really? It is not my, you lost me at now. I'm mad that it is because I feel like that crossed my mind at one point and then I forgot. Yeah. But I agree. Like one of them is wearing like leg warmers and I'm like, what, how is that possible? Yeah. They're doing, they're doing a whole flash dance parody. Have you seen flash dance? Nope. Never saw it. Okay. So I mean, for some, I don't know why it never occurred to me to even question that before, but I'm like, wait, cause it just seemed normal to me that, okay. So they're, they're wearing clothes. This one is a flash dance person. This one is a blues guy. This one likes puppets. And then this time around, I was like, wait, where the hell did they find all of these clothes? I mean, did they, did they ransack a a children's department store or something like that? Really tiny children's. Like really tiny clothes. Yeah. So that was my, everything else I can suspend my disbelief, but how did they get clothes? Okay. And that's, and that's also like, I think where the film, I think there's that tipping point because there is the potential for, for the film to be darker like you had mentioned some of the original ideas that they had even if they hadn't killed the mom like that kitchen scene is pretty brutal Mm -hmm. and the film could have continued down that path but once you have all these gremlins in the bar 
like that whole scene, I think took the film in a completely different direction. Cause at that point you're like, well, this is not a serious, scary movie anymore. This is like a big, I don't want to say joke because I, cause I, I mean, in a, in a negative way, because I, I do actually like the movie, but it's just not, and maybe that's where some people had trouble with it. Maybe if they didn't dress the gremlins, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Well, speaking of the darkness of it, I read, and now I'm wondering if I misread it. I thought I read that in the kitchen scene, the mom stabs the gremlin and mm-hmm. then the, gra- the gremlin pulls the knife out of himself and mm-hmm. they took it out because it was like too gruesome, but you can still see the effect of it happening. Mm-hmm. But when I was watching the movie... I remember seeing something happen, like seeing like some sort of effect, but I think it might've been that the gremlin stabbed the mom and then the mom pulls the knife out of her. I need to be better at doing the research. <laughs> <laughs> but we have our roles. You're the, the put together one. And then I, <laughs> <laughs> we're both put together. Okay. All right. You're you um, lost me at. But yes, that was not my you lost me at. Damn you it. Lost me. I I lost myself at my own comment. <laughs> um, actually, the you lost me at was I wrote debauchery scene, and I can't remember now if that was in the bar or in the movie theater. But there's like one scene where it shows them like. I think it's the bar because I think Mm -hmm. the bar has a longer sequence where they're like smoking cigarettes, then they're drinking beers, Mm -hmm. then there's the like the flash dance scene, and then Mm -hmm. like one of them has a gun, and then they're playing poker, and it just goes on for so long. And it's like cute and like it's actually funny because at first it started as my you had me at moment because I was like, this is genius, this is hilarious, (laughs) and then it just went on for so long, and I was like, this is where I'm starting to want to go to sleep. Yeah. Um, it could have been, I think that to me, that scene would have been more impactful if it had been shorter. Yeah. And it is interesting because like I, like I said, there is this shift once we get there, because then it seems like it's not necessarily that the gremlins are dangerous. They're just a nuisance. Yeah. They're just like little dicks. Yeah. But (laughs) why, but, but why, I mean, because before they wanted to kill the mom it seems like Mm -hmm. or maybe I'm misreading that scene entirely and they were just being annoying and then she needed to kill them but they seem pretty dangerous they were trying to kill her yeah and then and then in that bar scene they're not at all and then you have Kate in the mix just serving them drinks I mean it's crazy and she they're throwing stuff all over the place and then one of them does have a gun Mm -hmm. And by the way, how do they know how to use a gun? I mean, oh, and then Stripe can read because there's that scene where he's in the movie theater and he looks across the street and he just sees the neon sign candy and is like, yum, yum. And I'm like, wait, you can read now? I, that was my second you lost me at. That was my runner up. Okay. My, my, you had me at was actually the scene where the mom kills the gremlins I love that scene. Mm-hmm. I even remember it like the first time I saw the movie and every time after when I watched that movie, I just love how the mom steps up yeah, and, and just figures stuff out and knows instinctively knows how to defend herself uh, is using, you know, her kitchenware and her appliances as weapons in really interesting ways. I just think, I just love that scene. So I 
think we get a point. Okay. Because my answer is Lynn Peltzer and Kate kicking ass. I feel like that counts. Yeah, I think so too. Because I think like both of them, like exact. I mean, everything that you said about how she goes toe to toe, she kills five of them. Yeah. And pretty effortlessly. And then even with Kate, like she's kind of being held hostage by them for a while. But then when she finds the camera, she's like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. And she doesn't need what's his face, Billy, to come save her. She's like, I'm just going to get out of here. And she's like Mm -hmm. kind of screaming the whole time. But who wouldn't be? Right. Yeah. I think we get a point. Okay. Oh, boy, we get a point. I didn't think we were going to get one today, but we got one. All right. Favorite line. I had a runner up. Okay. And I'll share my runner up first because I, I feel like, and and it's interesting. I didn't pick this one as my favorite line, but I do think that this line is very central to, to the theme of the movie. I think it's when the old man comes back to take gizmo and, uh, and he says to Randall, he says, you do with Mogwai what your society has done with all of nature's gifts. You do not understand. You are not ready. And I, and I thought, and I really liked that line this time around. Cause I thought, even though this movie is kind of ridiculous, I wonder if, again, if you could make this argument that it is this bigger commentary on human nature, how in our efforts to simplify our lives, we actually make them more complicated and we destroy so many things in our path in order to do that without any regard for what we're destroying and what we're losing in doing so Mm -hmm. anyway well i i know you have yours but i will just say that you are not ready was my favorite line oh damn it (laughs) (laughs) all right well my favorite line is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum it's actually an exchange between the sheriff and the other cop Mm -hmm. and it's when they're they get the phone call that Mr. Fetterman has died and they're asked to come check out the scene. And so they go to leave and Billy's there with Gizmo. And then you hear in the background, the sheriff say, I'm driving. And then the cop says, you always drive. And then the sheriff goes, because I'm the sheriff, asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my favorite line. That is a good line. <laughs> I loved, I mean, I know we just talked, I'll just, technically it's my turn. So I'll talk about my, yes! you're not ready line. Please. Um, I mean, I agree. Like, I feel like it sort of ties into how I was saying that my worst, my opinion of worst character was Randall Peltzer because it's like this whole thing is his fault. Yeah. Because he just couldn't, like, he needed to have this thing. And he, you know, I guess you could argue that the way that the three rules were broken were all completely accidental. But I don't know, like, if you're going to get this thing and then someone says these are the rules, wouldn't you be extra careful with it? Yeah, I would be. You I, would I wouldn't be, be like, oh, it's just like a little before midnight. You could probably eat some snacks. I'd be yeah. like, no, it's way too close. Someone's clock somewhere is probably set to midnight. Mm-hmm. Hell no. Also, at the end, before, before Gizmo is taken away... And he's sitting there. I remember Kate gives him the thermometer and he's like all wrapped up and because he's recovering from his heroic acts. And then the mom says, I bet he'd like some chicken soup. Isn't that technically water? Like, cause remember they said, don't give him any water to drink. 
So does chicken soup count? I don't know. I guess if it's broth, it's fine. But if it's like pure, I guess you can have stuff with water in it, but not, but not pure water. <laughs> See, this is why we're not ready. This is why we're not ready. Because I almost want to be like, no, you dumb bitch. You can't give him that. <laughs> yeah, or, or, okay, he can't have water. Here's a list of foods that I might consider giving him. Can he not have these things? Yeah. Yeah. Ask some questions because those rules are, even though the rules are kind of specific, they're really not, they're not, they're not even specific at all. I don't even know what I'm saying. Don't give them water and, and then don't give them water. So like this animal can live without hydration. I know I have a lot of questions. So many questions. Well, you got one point. We got a point. Mm -hmm. Hey, the streak is alive and well. Yeah, we're not stuck like last time. But now that I said that, I probably jinxed us. But we're at 37 points. Okay. We're, we're inching our way closer and closer. And our next episode, which is going to air close to Christmas, mm-hmm. I have picked another Christmas <gasps> movie. Okay. And this one, you have to see, Sonia. Is because it wonderful life. <laughs> no, it's not. Okay, good. It's actually not. Okay. Um, but this is my favorite Christmas movie of all time. Our next film that we are going to be watching, Jacob, tummy roll, please. A Christmas story. Oh, I'm excited about this. Okay, good. Well, tell me what you think it's about. Oh dear God. Um, I think the kid's name is Ralph. And he has glasses. And um, I think he's like with his family for Christmas. And they're all kind of a little bit of a disaster. So he's like excited for the holidays. But then also doesn't necessarily want to spend time with his family. And then at some point his tongue gets stuck to a pole. Because it's frozen. And I don't know anything else. (laughs) Oh, and it's Christmas. Good, good. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I cannot wait for you to see this movie and I cannot wait to talk about it. And I also cannot wait for our Gremlins 2 date and bonus episode. Uh Oh my goodness, Sonia. Yeah. We have so many things to look forward to. We do. Right? Very excited. Very excited. Okay, well, that's the end of our episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at NNSIPod. And if you enjoy your our podcast, not your, well, enjoy yours if you have one and tell us about it. But if you enjoy our podcast, tell your friends. They can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Like and subscribe and all the things. And join us next time with your cocktail at the ready when we talk about a Christmas story. We'll see you then, because we've got lots more to watch. And I've seen nothing. So please keep listening. And we'll keep watching. Bye. Bye.